Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Uh, before we get started, I want to encourage you to check out our other podcast. If you love public domain uh, mysteries, check out Public Domain Video Theater, where every couple of weeks we'll be posting a uh, public domain video, an episode right now of either Dragnet or Boston Blackie. Just go to videotheater.greatdetectives.net. Or if you have our uh, the iTunes, just search for uh, Video Theater uh, in the uh, iTunes store. Check out The Amazing World of Radio, where you can listen to all of the mini-series that I've done. Many based on the uh, request of our patrons, and others just because I thought it'd be interesting to do. Uh, among the items we have there, we have the Old Time Radio Hamilton we have uh, a variety program, and we also have our Summer of Folk Art and our recently uh, completed series of Les Miserables starring Orson Welles. And check out my newest podcast, the Classy Comics Podcast, where I r- review various graphic novels and trades looking for the classiest comics in the universe. That's over at ClassyComicsGuy.com. That's ClassyComicsGuy.com. All right, now it's time for today's episode of Man from Homicide, the original air date, July the 23rd of 1951. And this one is the Eddie Kent case. Listen to Man from Homicide transcribed starring Dan Duryea following this reminder. Henry J. Taylor, author, journalist, and ABC commentator, whose commentaries on world events are heard every Monday evening on ABC is on a fact-finding tour of European countries. Periodically, Mr. Taylor takes trips abroad to examine activities at first hand and to get his own reactions. During the weeks he's in Europe, his Monday evening commentary, Your Land and Mine, will be broadcast each week from a different European capital. He'll speak tonight from Zurich, Switzerland. So listen for Henry J. Taylor's Your Land and Mine tonight on ABC. The Man from Homicide. According to Webster's Dictionary, homicide is the killing of one human being by another. According to Lieutenant Lou Dana... It's the beginning of a dirty, dangerous job. It doesn't end until the killer is found. I don't like killers. at this time, the American Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed the star of stage and screen, Dan Duryea, as Lieutenant Lou Dana, the man from Homicide. The job a man does leaves its mark on him. Generally, you can spot a doctor, a lawyer, a butcher, a baker, half a block away. But what kind of a mark is left on a man who work out of homicide? Dave carried his 300 pounds into my office at headquarters. It had been a long time since he'd pounded a beat. 
Lou? Yes, Pappy? Martha Kent has come home. Martha Kent? Yeah, she was spotted coming into the Cleveland train, picked up, and... Where is she now? Her apartment. A couple of men are covering. Now all we got to do is let a little time pass, and we've got Eddie Kent, Lieutenant. Like that? Well, he can't keep away from her, whatever it costs him. She must be, um, interesting. Oh, <laughs> I seen her once a couple of years ago. I'm an old fat cop, Lou, but I'm glad she never smiled at me. Eddie Kent killed three men we know of. The last one was a bank job we can pin on him. Dave? Yeah, Lieutenant. Those men covering her apartment. Uh-huh. Pull them out. But Lou... Do it right I... away. Okay, Lieutenant, only I don't... She uh, came in by train. How much of an effort did she make to shake anyone off her tail? Uh, well, not much the way I got it. And headed straight for her apartment. Uh... No, Dave. Too pat. Uh, well, I see what you mean a little, only... What would she be after? Maybe she wants to be Mary. Huh? A Mary widow. What's her address? 49 South Grover. 49 South Grover. If I'm not back in a little while, send my mail there. Maybe she'll smile at me. I spent the trip to South Grover thinking about Eddie Kent. After I got finished thinking about him, I wished there was a way a man could wash his mind out. Martha Kent would be what? Something shrill? And heels an inch too high? Brassy hair? A runway figure? Yes. No. Something a lot more dangerous. What? Excuse me. Mind if I come in? Well, who are you? The name's Dana. Oh, that's right. Lou Dana. There's nothing much I could do about keeping you out, is there? Nothing much. Come in. Well? Eddie in? You should know. Uh Uh-uh. Don't your men tell you things? I took them off you. You did what? Send them back to the precinct. Why? Their feet hurt. That was very kind of you. Thanks. Eddie isn't in. That's too bad. Do you plan on waiting for him here? No. Do you? That's all, Lieutenant. Mrs. Kent, does Eddie know you don't, uh, care anymore? Why not ask Eddie? Because he doesn't know. That was when she turned her back on me. Being a cop blunts the finer sensibilities. I only noticed her stocking seams weren't crooked. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. If you like, you can tuck me in. There's probably a police regulation about it. You don't have to worry. I wouldn't like. Oh, you wouldn't. Good night, Mrs. Kent. Eddie should be along any time now, huh? Get out. Sure. She hadn't smiled at me once. 
steps and hallways are unnatural. I didn't enjoy it. I stayed with it an hour and then moved out. There'd be two of them, one for the front, one for the back. I took the back. He'd be the easier of the two. There was an alley, garbage cans, and... Hey, cut it out. Don't reach for it. Oh, it's a big idea. Not very big. Out in the light, huh? Now, look, mister, if you think you're tough, you... Oh. Hello, Boiler. Dana. I think I'm tough. Well, I... I, I... I didn't know it was you, Lieutenant. What's uh, special about that alley? Oh, I just happened to be passing by. Nobody passed any law about passing by. Boiler. Well, it's like this. I I had a date to see a fellow, and he says, meet me there. You know, in that alley. Let's go down to the precinct. No. No, you ain't got nothing on me. Would you like to try resisting arrest? You throw me in the can, I'll get a mouthpiece. He'll spring me so fast, you Twenty-four are... hours. Before I have to book your boiler. Nothing to eat. Nothing to drink. Not even uh, tea. Oh, I'm off the stuff, Lieutenant. I ain't touched a stick and... I'm not narcotics, boiler. Yeah, I, I know. Somebody like you, narcotics would be better. They make arrangements. They don't like their arrest to be screaming. Scraping cement with bleeding fingernails. Lay off, will you? In homicide, we can't accommodate you properly. In homicide, we don't especially care. Guys like you ain't human, Dana. You guessed. Well, Boiler? It's a dame. Dame up in that house. Eddie Kent's wife, she... She's kind of worried he, he might show. She doesn't love him? I wouldn't know. Orders was, you, you don't get to her. What does he get? I'd say eight hours before you break. No. No, look, look, Lieutenant, it was a, only a job. They don't tell me anything. They, they give me orders. And Who they... gave you orders? I can't, Dana. The precinct. Come on. Hey, look, look, Lieutenant, I start spilling the cups. What would my life be worth? What's it worth now? Okay. It's McGrath. McGrath? Huh? Yeah. yeah. Good night, Boiler. You won't tell him that I... Oh, what's the use? He'll know. You don't care what happens to a guy, do you, Dana? Not if he carries a gun. That's only in case Eddie was to get A tough. man with a gun, all he's got to do is crook a finger and he's a killer. I don't like killers. Good night, Boiler. Boiler went back to the alley in the garbage cans. I went to visit Mr. McGrath. Boiler had the best of it. Start with the kid stuff, snatch and run. Knock over a couple of small stores. Move up into hot cars and cold decks. Pick up a few houses, take over a few wheels, buy a few deaths, and you wind up Mr. McGrath. But you wear tailored suits by then, and handmade shoes, and you got a hood for a doorman. Hey, what's the idea this uh Copper. Copper? No, you don't. You got a paper copper? Uh-uh. 
Turn around and go away. Uh, uh. No warrant. You keep coming. I got a legal right to blast you. Sure. But have you got the guts? Okay. Come on. We'll find out. I'm coming. Max! Yeah, Mr. McGrath. What's the trouble? I'm having words with a cop. He wants in. He ain't got no paper. Put your gun away and let the fool in. Okay. Be a pleasure to have him thrown off the force. Hello, McGrath. Lieutenant Dana. Max, you've been rude. Huh? Lieutenant Dana isn't an ordinary policeman. He's a personality. My door is always open to him. Apologize to the lieutenant, Max. He's a cop. I said... Forget it, McGrath. Very well. You may leave us, Max. Okay. Max is a trifle crude, I'm afraid. Have a drink, Lieutenant? No. Never drink on duty, huh? I wouldn't like your brand. Not raw enough, I suppose. I got work to do. Haven't we all? What's half of $80,000, McGrath? $40,000? That kind of money worth a death? I haven't seen the latest quotations. Eddie Kent knocked over a bank two months ago. Killed a guard and collected 80000 He had help. Indeed. 40000 for Kent. 40000 for, uh, the help. Seems equitable. How do you share the death? He needed a little time to think for an answer. I looked around. There was a charming room. Mostly Chippendale pieces, oak paneling on the walls. A small Renoir hung where the sunlight would hit it in the mornings. A girl brushing her hair before a mirror. She looked like someone I'd seen, and for a minute I couldn't remember where. Then I remembered, but the girl in the painting was smiling. You've uh... Evidently decided to be nasty, Lieutenant. Why? Martha Kent. I beg your pardon? Martha Kent. A lovely girl, as I recall. Pity she's not in town anymore. She's in town. A pleasant thought. Eddie Kent alive gets $40,000. Eddie Kent dead gets a mouthful of dust in Potter's Field. You're picturesque. How do we kill Eddie Kent? McGrath? It's not exactly my problem. How do we kill him safely? Got it. We bait a trap. The lure? Martha Kent. Fine. Eddie goes for her. How does that kill him, though? I couldn't say. We make sure the cops know where Martha Kent is. We fake it a little, so the cops think it's their own idea. They stake out. Eddie makes a beeline for her lovely arms. Runs into a couple of cops. So? You picked us to kill him for you. No, no, no. Be, be careful. I'm very careful. <sighs> that was from me, personally. You'll be sorry for this. The department will mail you a written apology. Headquarters was where I'd left it. They'd built it a stone... 
Hi, Lieutenant. You got out of that one fast. Who was asleep? Uh, I was. <laughs> Go on back. It's cold out here. Yeah. How's it set up, Lou? Oh, stalemate, I guess. McGrath's got a couple of men covering for Mrs. Kent. They'll keep Eddie off. McGrath, huh? No good, Lou. He was in on the bank job with Kent. You got proof? No, but it has to be that way. He was the one set up Mrs. Kent as a decoy. When I pulled the cops out, his men moved in. No one to split with Eddie, huh? Forty thousand reasons against it. Yeah. Lou, it looked beat. Occupational disease, Dave. <laughs> Martha Kent do any smiling? Uh, not in my direction. Uh. I'll be in my office for a while. Doing what? Waiting. I wouldn't know for what. Don't ask me, huh? I waited. I thought it might be nice if I had a Renoir. It could be a small Renoir on the wall. I thought what Captain Kowaleski might have to say on the subject... I decided I'd settle for the dirty plaster. Why don't you go on home, Lou, huh? It's an idea. Nothing's going to happen tonight. Oh, I suppose not. I feel restless. You slap McGrath around? Only once, Dave. Oh, you're improving. You could still find trouble that way. Well, he was trying to buy a killing from us. Yeah. You take it too hard, Lou. You'll never get fat like me. Too bad. I was looking forward to it. Ah, go on home. I'm going. Uh, <clears throat> Lou. Yeah? 49 South Grover ain't on your way home. What makes you think I might be passing there? <laughs> Bet you my pension against a peppermint lifesaver. Happy. I don't like peppermint. He would have won. McGrath's man out front of her house was holding down the same tree. I drove around the block to see if Boiler was still holding down the back. Martha Kent was in on the deal with McGrath. The decoy had to be, and she was. The girl in the Renoir was smiling. Maybe she was too polite to laugh out loud at me. Renoir painted beautiful things. No sense of reality. Boiler among the garbage cans would have been a more practical subject. But Boiler wasn't there. The alley closed in on me. I was in a hurry. And careless. I stumbled over a garbage can and almost missed him. Boiler was propped up against the wall, his legs straight out before him, his head slumped down over his chest. He might have been brooding about the blood that had poured out of that chest if he hadn't been so completely dead. I left him there. I wasn't in a hurry anymore. He'd been dead some little while. Whatever had been going to happen in Martha Kent's apartment would already have happened. 
I didn't care too much about finding out. The lock on Martha Kent's door was in fine shape, except that the door wasn't locked. The living room was the way I remembered it. I had nothing to remember about the bedroom. But there'd be something I'd work at forgetting. She'd fallen back across the bed. The stain on the front of her dress hadn't been her dressmaker's idea. Her eyes were open. And when I bent over, I could have sworn they saw me. Hello. Mrs. Kent. I thought maybe I'd see you again. Hold it. Operator, police emergency. Lieutenant Dana, get a doctor to 49 South Grove or apartment 3C immediately. Got it? Yeah. Lieutenant. Better not talk. I... There'll be a doctor here in a couple of minutes. You've seen people like this before. I should be dead. Will you stop? No. What do you want me to do? Think about what my life has been. And what's happening. Do it now. There might be a chance. Uh, Are you trying to make me laugh? Lieutenant, you look funny. It's a habit my face has. I... You know who? Yeah. I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. You can tuck me in if you like. That's what I said when I was still alive. You said you wouldn't like. You lied, didn't you, Lieutenant? I lied. I knew. Please. It's all going so fast now. I'll tuck you in. Thank Good night. The doctor was a little late. The homicide squad arrived and made noises and was very busy. It was a guy named Shakespeare wrote a play. And when his character died, he said, the rest is silence. In my line, the rest is routine. Go on, Sam, get the cameras out of here. You ain't shooting a movie. Terry, rush that print over to the lab, huh? Go get the lead out, get the lead out. Dave was there, making like a sergeant. The men loved every pound of him. No reporters till later. Come on now, boys, get rolling, huh? Lieutenant. Yeah, Dave? Snap out of it. Out of what? I'm feeling fine. Don't kid Pappy, huh? Sorry, Dave. Call it I'm tired and forget it. Okay. Uh, The boys have been through the building. Did they have fun? Dug up a couple of neighbors, heard the shots. Thought it was a car backfiring. That was bright of them. Well, it gives us the time she was shot. One hour and 11 minutes ago. That'll help. Not the girl, maybe, but the district attorney's going to need it. All right. He's got it. And Boiler must have been shot a few minutes before that. Gives you the pair of them. 
Pinned down close, too. Close enough. Eddie Kent's out in the open now. Must have been holed up the last two months someplace in town. With her showing, it brought him out. He realized she'd thrown in with McGrath, so he Save figured... it for the report, Dave. Yeah, okay. We'll get him pretty quick now. Sure. So long, Dave. Lou, where you going? Out. What for? I need a killer. There's the old one about the man who lost a horse. He said to himself, If I were a horse, where would I go? And then he went there. If I were Eddie Kent, I'd go to visit McGrath. I went. It was a nice night. The only thing wrong with it was people. There was a car parked outside of McGrath's house. It pulled away as I came up. I didn't have the patience for a chase, so I cut my wheel and... slowed it up. Max was climbing out of the other car, tugging at his pocket. I discouraged him. He fell down. I got the gun all the way out of his pocket. Two bullets gone. Within very recent history. There was nothing else that moved in the car. McGrath might still be at home. Worrying about his car, maybe. Max, what on earth? Dana. Inside. Now, look here. I said inside. All right. What do you want? Your car's in a bad way. Oh. Well, that crash. Yeah, I'm a careless driver. You could be drunk. I could be. That won't help your record any. You really think I'm drunk? If you're not, you're... You're insane. Oh, oh, no. We just haven't met professionally before. Max, was he hurt? He'll live. I'm going to call a doctor for him. No. Now, look here. This is completely preposible. Something bothering you? I haven't anything further to say to you, Dana. One man's opinion. Yours. I don't share it. You must have... (laughs) Uh, You must have... uh... Looked into the car. I did. Well, that can be explained easily. Explain it easily. Eddie Kent was a killer. He apparently thought his wife and I had been a little too friendly. Had you? You know how it is, Lieutenant. No. Anyway, he came here and threatened to kill me, so Max beat him to it, that's all. The case of self-defense would stand up in any court. Sure. So there's no reason to act the way you are. Where was he delivering the body? To the aquarium? Well, uh, you see, Max's record isn't too good. He, he was afraid the police might not readily accept a self-defense plea. He wanted to dispose of the body. I tried to persuade him not to, but I failed. As a matter of fact, I was... Uh, just about to notify the police myself. Uh-huh. I think you'll find the bullets in Eddie Kent's body came from Max's gun. I know they did. Well, then, we can relax, can't we? I've been relaxing for hours. How about the bullets in Boiler's body and Martha Kent's body? Well, they'd have come from Eddie Kent's gun, obviously. You mean the gun planted on Eddie Kent, don't you? What? What do you mean? Kent came here to see you first. 
for his share of the bank money. Kent died here. Max took care of that. But you still didn't own that 80000 It was Martha Kent left. You saw a nice piece of business opening up. Oh, you're, you're dreaming. A cop's dream. So you headed for her apartment. You had to dispose of Boiler. He knew too much. You couldn't afford to have him around. And then you went upstairs and ended the partnership between you and Martha Kent. You came back, planted the gun you'd used on Eddie Kent, and instructed Max to dump his body where it wouldn't be found for a while. That way, no medical examiner could prove Kent had died before his wife. Well, that... That's very ingenious. You've got nothing to base it on. I've got Kent's body. Ah, good lawyer. I've got something else. An unlocked door. What does that mean? Martha Kent's door was unlocked when I got there. And the lock hadn't been tampered with. She wouldn't have opened that door to her husband. Not when she knew the trap she'd helped set for him. She'd have opened it for you, McGrath. You've been fumbling in that desk long enough. Bring the gun up. I'll let you have first shot. Oh, you... You can't do anything to me. First shot. Well? Yeah. You do better with women. Don't worry. I won't slap you. All right. All right. How dirty can a man's hands get? They train you to make out a report when you're a cop. You learn how to put all the facts down in proper order. The names and the times and the places. You do it and you sign your name and it's a job that's done. Except where would you mention the fact that a dying girl's last action had been to smile at you? I don't like killers. You've just heard another in a series starring Dan Durier as The Man from Homicide with Larry Dobkin as Dave. Mr. Durier can be seen starring in Al Jennings of Oklahoma. In tonight's cast, you heard Gloria Blondell as Martha, Herb Butterfield as McGrath, and Barney Phillip as Max. Music was by Basil Adlam. Homicide is transcribed and written by Lou Vitties, directed by Dwight Hauser. Be with us again next week, same time over most of these same ABC stations, to hear Dan Durier as the man from Homicide. America is sold on ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. This is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show.
Welcome back. Well, the big question that episode left me with was whether Lieutenant Dana hated Peppermint as much as he hated Killers. Uh, overall, an uh, interesting episode. I should note that this episode actually comes after all of the uh, existing episodes that have uh, been played. So we get to see what developments they make to the character of Lieutenant Dana. And I do think there are some signs of humanity and tenderness in the character that can often be hard to find, I think, in the other episodes. I think this could be seen as he spent a lot of time relating with peers, uh, Dave in particular, and then uh, also just the scene where he was with uh, Martha when she died. While I think Dana's actions in this episode were undeniably badge-heavy, I do think there was at least some justification given that someone had the idea to use the police as a murder weapon, which is definitely something that will anger any cop. And we saw in this episode the direction it took with Lieutenant Dana. All right, well, listener comments and feedback now, and we start with Joan, who says regarding Richard Diamond, I really enjoy this show. Richard was at his best, and this time his client got his jokes. Uh, this was the uh, hat pan murder case he's commenting on. Adam, the other show I was thinking of was the lineup. I thoroughly enjoyed that show. I thought I'd heard all of Jeff Regan, but I was surprised to hear a new show. Second time around for a lot of your podcasts are great because you found new episodes. Uh, keep up the great work, my friend, uh, from Joan uh, from Ontario. Well, thanks so much, Joan. I'm glad you liked uh, Richard Diamond. And uh, generally, we have only revisited programs when we have uh, additional episodes that weren't available the first time I played through them. Uh, one big exception to that was Pat Novak for Hire, which we replayed just so it would contrast with uh, Dragnet as it was being introduced, though there uh, will be an opportunity to rehear some favorite shows, and I will actually keep the details under my hat until August, so more to come on that. Uh, but thanks so much for the email, appreciate you listening, Joan, and then I have a comment from Jay, who writes, I recently bought a collection of Paul Temple radio shows from Audible. The show seems very similar to American radio detective shows of the period. How would you compare British and U.S. old-time radio detective shows? Is there another rich load of radio gold out there? Uh, thanks, as always, uh, for your insights. Uh, best regards, Jay. Well, Jay, I think... Probably the biggest comparison is the one that makes comparison so hard, and that's that there really are not very many British uh, radio detective programs that you could truly consider old-time radio. I mean, not just the copyright status, but from the same era. You do have quite a few British shows uh, starting, say, in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, that will be uh, preserved. But when you're looking at the same era as uh, old-time radio, there's not a whole lot. What I'm aware of that survived from that era 
uh, include uh, Sherlock Holmes. There are a few of those uh, featuring Hobbes and Shelley that were made during that era. Plus, there was an entire series of Sherlock Holmes adaptations featuring John Gielgud and Ralph Richardson. And I really enjoy that whole uh, adaptation with Gielgud and Richardson. And we played that in the podcast uh, quite a while back. And it's really high quality and right up there with the rest of uh, the Sherlock Holmes adaptation. And better than I would say most of the series that were done. Paul Temple, I think, is a fairly solid uh, series. It's not perhaps as uh, dramatically solid as some American series, but it really did benefit from the idea that uh, they were telling an eight-part story, so the mystery could be more complex and interesting, and they could add a lot more layers to it. There was also a 13-week series called A Case for Dr. Morrell, and I have to be honest, I've not listened to it. It doesn't have a reputation as anything great. Well, that's the extent compared to about 100 uh, radio series uh, detective programs that have survived in the States from that era. So, it does seem like there was a greater variety of programs that were on the American uh, radio. One big difference, I think, with the British uh, programs is, unlike the Americans, uh, it was never really considered to have these programs broadcasting continuously. You'll see a lot of radio detective programs that would run all year or would run all year with just a summer break. Uh, The British programs were much more sporadic. They would be broadcast in a series of, say, 8 or 13 episodes, and that would be the end of it, whereas the American series would kind of go all year round. As to whether there's a load of uh, detectives out there, I really doubt it. You don't have all of the same dynamics that were in the States that allowed for so many transcription discs to survive. The BBC's uh, policy of junking uh, old discs caused problems years later for uh, the British TV series Doctor Who. In addition, there's just less stations, less uh, networks, and less of the dynamics that really made it possible for so much of American radio to survive. So I would be surprised, pleasantly surprised, but surprised nonetheless, if you had a bunch of discs of British radio detective programs come forward. But thanks so much for the question, and that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow as uh, we'll be bringing you our first look at Rocky Jordan. And then next Tuesday, it's another episode of Man from Homicide. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.